Good morning, everybody. Ik is een Engelsman, so hoop jy kan alles allemaal uh, Engels verstaan. So voorrecht om hier te wees. And uh, yeah, it's just so beautiful to be with you guys as you... Thank you so much, Christian. Uh, no, it's fine, thank you. Yeah. Keep, me, keep me humble, keep my head low, you know. Um, let me check the time. Yeah, so we're from Cape Town, and uh, we're part of a church called Joshua Generation, which uh, we were part of its beginnings in January 1999, and it's been going well since January 99. We were there when there's 15 people, just like this, you know, a small church starting out, and and to date 6,000 people, and. It's just growing. We've got uh, 45 congregations, and they're starting to go all around the world now. And then from that church, we uh, started uh, an apostolic uh, partnership with churches that was birthed out of Joshua Generations called 412, from Ephesians 412, where the fivefold ministry, I don't know if you're familiar with the scripture in Ephesians 4, where it says that there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. Did I get them all? Yeah, those five, those five gifts are a gift to the body. We're a gift. You're a gift. We're all a gift in our different um, makeup that God has made us. And we're called to build each other up in the faith so that we can represent Jesus beautifully. And I love the worship. I don't know if, hope you guys appreciate the worship leaders, uh, the worship team. They're they multi-purpose, dual-purpose um, uh, roles that they have to fulfill. But uh, you've got... Worship of serious quality here. And uh, it's so beautiful. Well done, you guys. Really present. So it's easy to preach now in the presence of God, you know. And all our lives are, are called to um, represent Jesus well. When people look at our lives, they say, you, you know, you're not hiding away. You're actually standing up and you're saying, no, look at my life as I follow Jesus. You know, Paul said, follow Paul the Apostle. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. And that should be all our words that come out of our mouth, you know. Look to my life. Today we are 40 years married, so we're celebrating with you. You can celebrating with us. Um, and thank you. And, uh, you know, we made a covenant 40 years ago before God and before man. And we said, we will do this life together. And we will journey through this life together. We've got three sons in their 30s. We've got some grandchildren. And uh, God has been good. But uh, we were just telling some of the people last night um, that we didn't come from a religious background, both of us. We came from a, we didn't know God. And I, I went with a, I didn't tell you how, how I got saved, but uh, I had a friend who was, he was interested in a girl who went to a church like this and who loved people who loved the Lord. And I'd never, and I, so I went along to, with him. He said, you've got to come see this church. You know, he's, he's after the girl. And uh, so he said, but you've got to come see this church. They're different, eh? And I'd never been, I'd only ever been in a religious church before. And uh, if, I, you know, if we did go, it was you know, maybe once a year for Christmas. And, um, and I went to this church. I thought, hey, these, these people have got something. I've never seen this before. Uh, I don't understand this. And uh, even after about two or three weeks of going there, uh, I still didn't understand. But, but they, I, I just remember coming out of my chair, going on my knees. I didn't care who was there. I said, I want this, what they've got. And I had a good life. I wasn't desperate for God. It wasn't that things were going wrong and I need God, help me. But I just knew. In fact, I had everything. For a young man, I had everything. I had a brand new car, brand new motorbike. You know, life was good. 
in the modern terminology, they say living the life, you know. And I was living the life. I didn't need God, but I did. It was an emptiness. And I just remember crying. I said, God, come and fill me. And I experienced God just filling me at that time. I remember the next day, I was in the military at the time, and we had to go and do something as a military unit. And uh, I remember we, we tried to get, we all, all the guys did get drunk. I tried to get drunk, and I couldn't. I got sick instead. And that was the end of my drinking career. Um, and so, you know, God just came in, the words, my words changed. I mean, before, every, my language was terrible. And my whole thought processes were terrible. And God just came and worked in me and from inside out. And, uh, and I'm still a work in progress, even now as an older man. Uh, but the good thing about getting older is you learn about God. You learn how faithful He is and how amazing God is. And my walk with the Lord is never, I've never wanted to go back to the world. You know, the, the Bible says it's like a dog going back to its vomit. It's a terrible picture that the Bible gives, eh? But it's so true. I mean, I thought, why would I want to go back to that? And uh, when I've tasted of God and who He is. And so this morning, I want to encourage you in terms of your walk with the Lord. Because, you know, I was, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, not a, yeah, I'm just going to just speak from my heart if I can, you know, just to try and encourage you, each of, each of your lives, that one day when you stand before God, because uh, it says in the book of Colossians 1, 28, 29, it says, as, as leaders, we've got to present you to God. Uh, we've been given a trust. We're not God. We're not Jesus. He is. Uh, but he's asked us to, to shepherd and, and look after his beautiful, precious bride, the people of God. And for us, when we, when we stand for God, we say, Lord, this person, these people that you entrusted to me to look after for you until you come for your bride, Lord, I've taught them everything that, they, that I could teach them. I've lived in front of them. I've walked in front of them. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 says, imitate your leader's faith. It means copy your leader's faith. And so how are they walking? How's their marriage? How are their children? What does it look like in terms of their life? And uh, can I copy that? You know, and you can't live two lives. You can't come here on Sunday and and then you go outside and you put on a business hat and now you're the tough guy. I was 24 years in business. I had my own business. I worked, my last job was the corporate world was Total, you know, the French Petroleum Company. They pronounce it Total. Um, and so, you know, uh, I just, I've, I've tasted all that. I had the Mercedes E-Class, Benz, and uh, all, the, all the things. And like Paul said, I've had, I've, I've uh, known, I've had much, I've had little, but I've known this godly contentment. Just to be content in what God has got for your life. But the most important thing is, I think, Lord, here's my heart. And what is your heart? It's the will. It's the decision place. So everything, as you, go through, as you journey through this life, you're going to have to make decisions. Uh, your time. I mean, this morning you could all be sitting at home. You didn't have to come here. Why are you here? Because you want more of God. You're hungry for God. You want to be part of what God is doing. And one day you're going to have to stand and give a, a, an account for your life. He's going to ask each of you, okay, tell me about your life. I gave you opportunity to serve me. And uh, I gave you gifts. Because every one of you brings a gift into this church. And a church is a body. Jesus is the head. And we represent his body. And if I'm talking too fast, put your hand up. Okay. I'm talking fast. Okay. You must tell me as well, eh, you guys. If, you're not, if, I don't, if I need to explain something, also just say, explain what you mean by that. Um, so, you know, our lives, our, our will here, we talk about our hearts. Uh, well, God says, um, you know, when they came to Jesus once, they said, your mother and your brothers are waiting outside. And the Jewish culture is very respectful, like Afrikaans culture, actually, very respectful for family and older people. And um, 
And he said, who are my, my brothers? Who are my mother? Those who hear the word of God and obey it. And so that's this morning the challenge to all of us is, Lord, are we obeying your word? When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, we were there a year and a half, end of 2019, before, oh, two, two and a half years now, in Israel. And we were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you are so amazed that, that Jesus was here. And he had that encounter with God. He said, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. You know, that I had to, I've got to pay for all the sins of mankind. And, uh, but not my will be done, yours. Yours be done. And that's the will. So you're going to have to make decisions in terms of your job. We're from Durban originally. Jenny was born in Kenya. Then she lived in England. Then she came to South Africa. Um, but I was born in Durban. My, our grandparents are Scottish. And, uh, and you know, we, when we, I was offered the job opportunity to come to Cape Town, I went to the leaders of the church. I said, guys, you're responsible. The Bible says that um, Hebrews 13, 17 says, you've got to give an account for my life. It says that, that the leaders have to stand for God. And he's going to say, you know, so tell me about the people that I asked you to shepherd and look after. Did you feed them well? Did you teach them properly my word? Um, did you care for them? Were you there when they were in trouble? Uh, what kind of a shepherd were you? And so we've got to give an account uh, one day. God's, for, as leaders, we've got to, it's, it's a scary thing. I don't know if you, you know, and leadership is God's idea. It's not our, our idea, okay? It's in the Bible all the way through. God always raised up leaders. And uh, so we went to the leaders of the church and said, look, this opportunity has come to move to Cape Town. In fact, they want us to go to Europe after two years and then spend two years in Europe and come back to South Africa and oversee manufacturing through all South Africa. And so we, and the leaders of the church said, okay, we think this is of God. We prayed, they prayed about it. They came and they gave us an answer because they've got to give an answer for my life. I've got to give an answer. I, I can't just pass it on to them, but, but together. And I've got to give an answer for my my wife that God entrusted to me as one of his daughters and my children. And uh, so we presented, we're doing this journey of life together. And you've got to understand the body of Christ. It's, 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 a, it's a family. It's not just, you don't come, this is not coming to church. Sunday is not the most important meeting. Monday to Sunday is the most important meeting because that's doing family. When you're sitting on the beach with one, one another and just enjoying and doing life and talking about family and talking about God, and, and talking about your job and your situations that you're dealing with, uh, that is called family. And that is called doing, that's what the church is supposed to look like. When the people look at us from outside, they say, you guys are different. Why are you different? Because you, know? you love one another. Because that, that is what the world's, the Bible says, Jesus, there's only one thing that they will say that you are mine, by the love that you have one for another. And not just, hey, I love you, you know, hey, and I love you back, you know. It's not just that, because they said, Jesus, even the Pharisees do that. But it's going the extra mile. It's been there. It's been, you know what? I'll go without money so that you can have. I'm hoping to knock your wire out there. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's sacrificial. It's a sacrifice. Jesus came and he said, a new command I'm giving you. But he repeated actually an Old Testament command initially. He said, love, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That was Old Testament. But he said, love as I have loved you. And how did he love us? He sacrificed his life. You mentioned this morning, he came from heaven down to earth. He said, you know what, he's got everything up there. He didn't have to do that, but he said, I choose. He said, Lord, Father, I will go and I will pay the price for their sins. And he came and lived. And Israel in those, days, in those times were not, wasn't a comfortable lifestyle. It was very uncomfortable. And he said, I'll come and I'll be amongst you and I'll love you and I'll sacrifice my comfort and my, what I had to be with you and to show you how to love 
one another. And, um, and that's, that's what the body of Christ is called to do. You know, you guys are here for a reason. You're in Swakopmund for a reason. God brought you here. And uh, you've got to, in your heart, you've got to say, Lord, how can I reach Swakopmund for you? In fact, not just Swakopmund, the world, really. You know, a little place in Israel has affected the whole world. You know, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, lived in Nazareth for a while. Um, and that one event, that one life, has affected the whole world for 2,000 years now. And so your life is, can, can count for God. But you've got to decide this morning, do you want to present it to God? You can take it back and just say, okay, you know what, I'm just going to be a comfortable Christian. And in fact, I don't like this message I'm hearing this morning. I'm going to go and find a comfortable church where I can just sit quietly at the back, sing some songs, shake everybody's hand, have some coffee, and then, you know, maybe I'll go to, I'll be a radical Christian, I'll, I'll go to a midweek meeting. Uh, but, but God's calling all of us to lay down our lives. Does He have your heart? He has my heart, Lord. Because if He knows He's got your heart, then everything is in, in alignment. Everything is, is in the right place. So do you, whatever you do in this life, do you always present it back to God and say, Lord, what do you say? What do you say? And then sometimes the Bible says, you know, to go and get counsel from others and say, well, what are you feeling the Lord is saying in this matter? And one of the things, things do you trust God? And, and a lot of people say, yes, I trust God. But then some people have, have feel that they've been hurt by God. They've been let down by God. How come that person died? This job didn't happen. That didn't happen. This relationship didn't work out. And so sometimes we get disappointed in God because we decide how God must act. And He doesn't act according to our terms. Then we say, but God, you're not right. You're not fair. You're not a loving God. Um, and as a pastor now for 20-something years, and you see a lot of pain, a lot of pain, and a lot of hardship. And because you, you, you see what I would say, the underbelly of life that people don't normally see. We deal with situations sometimes that are hot, sore. And I'm be careful what I say because there's children here. But, um, you know, we, we've seen some really, 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 things that you can't even believe. I told you some of the things you wouldn't believe were actual real-life stories. And uh, sometimes it hurts, and you think, but how did, why? And but you realize that this world is broken. We, we're just here for a short while. There's, they're going to make coffee there just now, and you'll see some steam come out. And the Bible says you just like that little bit of steam, and when you switch off, the steam goes away. This life is very short. You know, I've done funerals for 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds and 25-year-olds. Um, uh, she was about to get married, a young 25-year-old teacher and, uh, in, in Jan, is it Jan van Riebeck School in, in Cape Town. Uh, two weeks before her marriage, 25 years old, and a beautiful woman, like really on fire for Jesus. She was there in that school, I think for a year, and as a teacher. She, 100 young girls came to the Lord in that one year. She was just on vivacious, in English the word vivacious, you know, like full of life and, and love for the Lord. And two weeks before she... It's going to get married. She drops down with the aneurysm in her brain and, uh, for, from the Wednesday. And so they kept her alive on, on you know, machines in the, in the Cape Medi Clinic. Oh, sorry. But we fought for her because we're family. They had a little chapel there at the, at the hospital. And we were there every, all the time. Everyone, Christians were there, just the family fighting for her life crying out to God, you know, for her life. And um, even the father was a, a top Freemason. He's a, a lawyer, a big lawyer in Cape Town. And I heard that he was a Freemason. I called him to one side on the Friday night and, uh, at the hospital, and I said, my friend, I don't know much. I know, I've, I'm not an expert on Freemasonry like you are. Um, 
But you guys, you pull, you know, you, you make curses on your family when you join this Freemasonry thing. And, um, you know, you must consider what you have done. And I'm not putting the blame on you, but let's, we, we are desperate now. We are fighting for your daughter's life. And he said, you know, um, he said, I've tried to serve Jesus. I've given my life and nothing happened. I said, you can't serve two masters. You must either let go of the one or, and take hold of the other one. And the Saturday morning, he did come to the, 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 at the hospital and he repented before God. But um, it was, I think, too late. Um, we, on the Sunday, I was with the fiancé as they switched off the machines. And, um, but we fight on. You know, this, is, this life is only, we're not told that this is heaven. This is not heaven. And as much as we don't understand, because um, obviously now the, the questions will arise, God, where were you? Why and which? Because and, we have an expectation that God will make this life comfortable and good and we're all going to have 40 years of marriage. This is just a ble- thank. Well, Lord, th- thank you for that 40 years. It, it didn't have to be like that. God could do whatever he wanted. And uh, I, I can't tell God what to do. He is awesome. He, is, he knows his plans are always perfect. And we've got to recognize that this world is broken. It's stuck and and uh, it's going to be burnt up. And uh, yeah, even I can, yeah, a year ago, we were talking about you know, breathing as well. And uh, where are we now? April. Beginning of last year, I was lying in, in hospital. And I uh, wasn't, and I'd, you know, they, they, when my, I'd, I'd run out of breath. And you realize now how much God gives you the breath. I had COVID, yeah. And uh, you realize how much God gives you every breath uh, to breathe in this life. And as I, as a, um, it's a whole long story, but I won't give the whole story uh, for the sake of time. And, and, uh, but you know, when, I walked, when they sort of finally got me, Jenny had to get me into the COVID ward. The people were fighting, literally punching outside the hospital to get inside because it was, run, it was so desperate. It was a very desperate situation. But um, my daughter-in-law's mother, she worked there and she got me in. And, uh, and you realize when you start they're putting oxygen in you, how you suddenly... I can breathe now, and you realize how precious that breath is. But I never begged God for my life. You know, I wasn't saying, God, don't let me die. Because for a long time ago, I settled that this is not my world. This is just a temporary place. We are, the Bible says you're aliens in this world. I'm a South African. I'm here in Namibia. I'm an alien in this country. I've got to bring a passport to come here. And we are, have got passports in the Lord to, to be here uh, in this world. You know? And we had to serve Him with our lives. And uh, yeah, when, I, when I arrived in the COVID ward, as the, 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 was at midnight, I think it was, and the, 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 the head nurse, the matron, she said, welcome to the COVID ward. You're either going home to be with Jesus or um, you will go home to your family. So I tried to say goodbye. I had my phone and I wanted to say goodbye to the family, but um, I didn't have the strength for that. Oh, I'm fiddling and pulling wires and <laughs> things, yeah. And... Um, and, and I, yeah, people were praying from all over the world for my life, you know. But I didn't, it wasn't a focus for me to stay alive. I was quite happy to go, actually. And because uh, even Paul says, you know, I'd much rather go to be in eternity. Uh, but I'm staying here because of you, Paul says that, uh, to the church. And so the Lord had a plan, obviously, for me to be here so, and to be alive and to continue. But this, this is not our world, people. And, and you've got to have an open hand to this world. And say, Lord, whatever, you know, even your children, your wife, your husband, all these things, um, you would have an open hand towards that. And, uh, and just realize we, our eyes are fixed on heaven, on eternity. That's our true home. That, that's where we're going. And that's our final and our real destination. 
And so God is working. He wants to know, has, does he have hearts? Um, even the two ladies on the side of me, and I, they, were, they were so desperate, they put me in a ladies' ward. I thought, what am I doing here? I was in the doorway. They didn't have a place, proper bed. And, um, and there were two ladies either side, younger ladies than me. And they were in a coma. They had intubated. And, um, and I prayed for those ladies. You know, once I'd settled, like, I asked the Lord to examine my heart. Am I ready to come now, Lord? You know, is, is there anybody I need to forgive? Or just make sure everything is right before I come into eternity with you. And uh, I felt my peace with the Lord at that moment. So I started praying for the ladies next to me. Uh, but not for their healing so much. You think, oh, you must pray that they... Because they both died, actually, eventually. Um, but uh, I prayed for their souls. You know, in, that, in that moment, that have encounter with God, if they don't know the Lord, that have encounter God and, and give their hearts to Jesus. We've got one life to live, and you've got one opportunity. And so I'd encourage you all this morning, make sure He's got your heart. Everything that you do in this life, make sure it belongs to Jesus. And uh, don't, be a, don't be a lukewarm Christian. You know, Jesus... Even warns the church. He speaks to the church in the book of Revelation. What's Revelation? Afrikaans? Open barring. And uh, he speaks to the church and he, and he, he says, um, you know, there's one church, you're lukewarm. Go back to the things you did at first. Some of you need to go back to the things you did at first. And that first encounter you had with Jesus and you gave your heart to him. And sometimes in this world, we find that the cares of this world chokes the life of God out of people. And we find that a lot in, in pastoring and doing. And we find sometimes you say, right, let's go into battle. And, and I've just got to go and fix my house. I've just got to sort out this. I've got to fix that. And you know, call somebody else. I'm not available. And we've got to live our lives available all the time. And if you've got to change your life around, do that. Um, this is a radical thing. And Jesus came to die for us. And we can't then just live a you know, yawn and, okay, whatever. You know, what time's church going to finish? And I hurry up. And there's, there's rugby on, uh, Formula One tonight. Come, come, get a move on. This is, it's, you know, the Bible says in, in the book of Acts that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And this has got to come from the people. We can't force people to do anything. We can't control the people. We can't lord it over. But I would trust every one of you this morning, every one of you, say, Jesus, have my heart completely. Even if you say you're born again, and there's only one type of Christian, by the way. There's not cultural Christian and this Christian and that Christian. Um, I was born a Christian. No one was born a Christian. The Bible's very clear that you become a Christian. You make a decision to follow Jesus. And, and it's the, Jesus said, unless you're born again, you'll never see the Father. You'll never see eternity. And so we need to make sure that we are born again. Paul even says, sometimes test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Don't fool yourself. Because often there can be an emotional moment here on a, on a meeting like this. And who wants to give your life to Jesus? Put your hand up. And then tomorrow the devil comes and he says, no, but go, keep going in the way you were going. Don't, don't get so excited, you know. This is, you are doing just fine the way you were. And so don't be a, a lukewarm Christian. Because Jesus said he'll spit you out of his mouth. Um, so make sure that you're burning in your heart for him. That everything belongs to him. Everything. If you're a rich person, a poor person, doesn't matter to God. Uh, you know, that he's got your heart. In a marriage, do we have his other, other's hearts? And we do. Uh, our first priority is each other. You're first the Lord. And, um, and that's what makes a marriage. Is, I don't know how people do marriage without Jesus. I've got to be honest. I'm amazed. Um, because we're so selfish. You know, all of us. We, we want to do things my way. And we look through these eyes and we say, but what about me? And the Lord says, no, just serve. Just serve. 
And so I'll challenge you this morning. Are you really on fire for Jesus? If, he was, if, you were, if Jesus was to come back now, would you be ready? Because you may not get opportunity. Maybe too late. Um, so make sure that you're living in a, a, a state of readiness all the time. Um, that when I was lying in the COVID ward, and I, I realized that my whole life, I, I keep very short accounts, as we say, with God. And so if something happens, I fix it straight away. I don't wait till tomorrow. It's too late tomorrow. No, today. Today I fix it. If I've got a problem with somebody, today I fix that problem. Um, if I've got any unforgiveness in my heart, no, today I must fix that. I must make right uh, from my side. I can't force the other person to do it, but from my side I must live in a place of being ready to go home to be with the Lord. And so a healthy church is so important to God. Um, he loves the church. Do you love the church like Jesus loves the church? He came to die for this. And he didn't want it just to be like a club. You know, uh, I, do, I ride motorbikes, I, I play rugby, and I go to church. You know, just like one of the things you do in life. Your priority should be Jesus. Everything should center around Jesus. Everything. And your work, everything. Um, you know, when I went into ministry, uh, you, do, you do pay a price. You know, um, I, I still drive a German car, but it went from a Mercedes to a Golf 1 with Mari Biscuit tires and wind-up windows and... You know, it was made in Germany, but that was about as far as they had it common with the Mercedes. Um, but the, your salary goes down to the bottom, you know. You just don't earn the same money anymore that you used to earn. Um, and so there's, there's sacrifices, but it's so worth it for Jesus. I mean, what, what can I even think of offering back to Jesus that could, that could um, be a, this, a comparison to what he did for me, that he came to die for me and that I might live in Christ? And so I'd encourage you this morning, I really would, I'd urge you uh, to give your lives 100%. Why, why are you sucking air right now? Why are you alive? Why are you here? Why are you living in this year, 2022? Because Jesus wanted you to be. And he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And, to, and he looks at this church as a, as, a, as a bride, a precious, beautiful bride. And he wants her to come into fullness. So just, I'm just going to run through some of the things just to consider this morning. What does a healthy church look like? If people just say, no, this church is healthy. Because a lot of the letters and the revelations are written to the churches to speak about their condition and, and how they were doing. And Jesus would say to that church, no, I think only out of, five, out of seven churches, only two were okay. The other five needed to make some adjustments and fix what they were doing. And so we need godly leadership. And we need people who love the Lord. And, ra- and God has, uh, has raised them up to, to lead this work. And our relationship with them is to help them. We're not here to boss them around and to lord it over them. But we're here to serve them with our gift. And there'll be other gifts that will come as well over, the, over time to come and say and to bring what the Lord has given them to add to the church. Um, so, that, yeah, so they are being raised up to, to shepherd you and to lead you. And would you make their job in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, it says, you know, can we put that up? Is someone doing, are you doing the scriptures? Is it quick to find the scripture? Okay. But seven, Hebrews 13, 17. Let's do that one. It says, um, yeah, the first one I mentioned earlier, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith, their love for the Lord. And, and then the verse 17 uh, it says they have confidence. Some translations, that's a new NIV. Yeah. The old one says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. There will be no benefit to you. 
So, you know, in our modern society, especially in Western society, it's like, I'm the boss. No one will tell me what to do. Yeah, you can be your pastor thing and do your thing there, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm my own boss here. And um, like Jesus did. He came and he said, you know what, Father, I'm equal to you, but I'm going to submit to your authority. So if they, and I really believe they are godly leadership that, that, that God has placed here amongst you. We've lived in their home. We've seen how they live. And um, I would submit to them. I would trust them. And trust, what's trust in Afrikaans again? Fatro. Is in very short supply at the moment in this world. Nobody trusts anybody. You know, politicians, no, I don't trust them. I don't trust this guy. I don't trust. And so we, we make our world smaller and smaller. I only trust myself. You know, and sometimes you don't even trust yourself. And so 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always trusts. Um, so we've got to choose to, lo- to choose to trust and say, you know what, I'm going to trust you guys. Are they going to make mistakes? Yes, they are. Are they going to let you down? I most probably will. I, they don't want to, but the reality is they are human. I'm human. I'm, if, if I was here leading you, I would also let you down sometimes. I would also make mistakes. You would see my mistakes. You would see my weaknesses. But will you still choose to follow us in that? Because Jesus does. He raised us up. In Acts chapter 20, um, Paul says to the Ephesians elders, the Holy Spirit has made you elders. Not, not man. Man will recognize and put hands and lay hands on what God has raised up. Um, but at the end of the day, it's God who raised up these people. And God wants to see what your reaction will be to them. Will you submit to my leaders? Jesus even chose the, the, the apostles knowing they were going to let him down, knowing they are going to make mistakes. I mean, it was 17 years, I think, after Jesus had, had uh, ascended to heaven, had gone to heaven, that Peter was a racist. You know, when the Jews came, uh, he would pull away from the Gentiles and he'd go and hang out with the, with the uh, Jews. And Paul said, I, I spoke to him in front of everybody. He said, hey, what you're doing is wrong. How come when the Jews come, you act differently now? And that's like a racist type of uh, behavior. And, uh, and so even they were making mistakes even there. We see Paul and Barnabas have a fight over John Mark. And, they, and it's, it's interesting to see that they, and the Bible so open about all the mistakes that they make, you know, and uh, not trying to hide anything. And so I'm dealing with a pastor this last week uh, up in another city in South Africa where he's made a mistake. He's gone online and he's looked at some things that he shouldn't look at. And he had software that he asked two of the elders that he was leading um, to watch that, that what, he, what he looks at. But he tried to bypass it and use words that would go around the software. But they picked it up and they confronted him. They said, my brother, you're leading us, but you're doing this. Uh, what's the story? You know? we, and so they phoned me um, this week and we had to discuss it. And how do we handle the situation? Because about a year and a half ago, we had to, four of our, our lead elders... We had to step them down. Well, three were for, for pornography, young men who were caught up in pornography. And they came forward and admitted it. They were doing it. And the one guy also married, and he, he did some things that he shouldn't have done. And so we said, no, you guys, the Bible says the qualifications for an elder is 1 Timothy and Titus. It says they've got to be men of character, more important than their gifting. And the Bible, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 says, I don't care if you can prophesy mysteries and you can raise, you know, because we look at a man and, and, or a woman and we think they can do miracles. They can raise the dead. They can pray and the arm will grow and that must be a godly person. That's just a gift of God. Because we saw in the 1940s, the 1950s with the restoration of the charismatic gifts 
the Catherine Kuhlmans and the A.A. Allen and William Brannan, these are big American names, where they were doing amazing miracles. But their private life was bad, bad. One was a drunkard, one committed adultery, one went to become a cult leader. And so God is interested in character because he says, I give the gifts so no man can boast. You know, if I pray for a dead man and he comes back to, to life, you say, hey, Russell's amazing. I'm not, what, what's Russell? It's Jesus. You know, I can't do any, you can't raise anybody from the dead or do any miracles. It's through Jesus. So God's looking for men of, and women of character. Who are you? You know, what are you like with your taxes? Do you pay tax? Do you, do you lie? Do you cheat in business? And can we use you in leadership? Will you be a good example? Because you've got to be the same person you are sitting here on Sunday as you are on Monday at work. And so I find so many Christians, they, they, they take one hat off and they put another hat on um, in this regard. So godly leadership is very important. because, And the Lord always raises up leaders. All the way through the scripture we see God's raised up leaders from beginning to the end to lead his people where he wants to take them. And Yeah, we, we make decisions always in teams. So that's why at the moment they are on their, on their own in leading in, in, this, in this work. Um, but Yaku can phone us at any time. This morning before I came here, two pastors phoned me, one from KZN, Northern Natal, and the other one from Cape Town, just with problems and issues that they're dealing with. And I used to sit on the, I use your, your Wi-Fi and uh, WhatsApp call and dis- discuss ways. So we're working in team all the time and being accountable all the time, you know. Um, I'll ask him, how's his marriage? And he can ask me, how's your marriage? And you know, how are your finances? Tell me about your finances. What are you spending your money on? He said, what's it, what's it got to do with you? Everything. Because we've got to live in the open. Because Jesus is gonna, all going to come out one day. And so we want you to trust them. And we want you to trust us. How can you do that if there's shadows and there's darkness in our life? My wife can look at my phone anytime. It's you can look any, almost whatever I've got. I'm not very good. I'm not very clever when it comes to technology. But um, my life is open. My wife always knows where I am. Um, I've got this policy. I won't get in a car with a woman. I know this lady. She's a lovely lady. But if she says, hey, come, let's just go to church. You know, I can, I'll give you a lift to church. I won't get in the car with her. It's just the way I've lived my life for 40 years. Um, because I want my life to be... That if you look at it and you say, but hey, why are you driving with some other woman in your car alone? If you come to my house, a lady comes to my house, because Jenny has a lady come sometimes to do her hair. And, if that, and Jenny's not home. She's shopping and she hasn't got home yet. Uh, I'll say, no, we stand outside until Jenny comes home and then we'll go inside. If you come to my house and I'm sitting alone in the lounge with a woman, you think, what's going on here? You know, I trust you, but uh, you know, what, and what could happen? And that's how all the guys, you see the big names are falling at the moment. Because they, won't, they won't, don't watch the small things. And so I want to go all the way to the end. I want to go all the way to the end. When I go into eternity, I want to know my life has been holy before God, that there's nothing that's going to come out. And so everyone's going to say, whoa, we didn't know that about you. What, you're hiding that. See, it's all going to come out. So let's rather get it out this side of eternity before we go into eternity. So if you're hiding something now, trust me, you won't hide it forever. Because you know, people don't realize that this is real. One day we're going to stand for God and it's all going to come out. So rather live in the light now. With the Lord. So godly leadership is very important and living accountable lives is very important. And I know a lot of this has been abused in the past. Some of you may, when I mention some of these words, authority and obey your leaders, I, no ways. I'm not, I've done that before. I got hurt. Not doing that again. And I know there's been ungodly leaders. 
Um, but there's so many good leaders. I've been in leadership 40 years now, and I've seen so many godly, godly leaders. Over, and we know them. We, our type of church we live, we're very involved with, with, with each other's lives. So godly is very important, you know. Who's, can we trust these guys? And I believe um, we can. Uh, and then to, a healthy church, the people are obedient to the Word of God. You've got to settle in your heart that this is God's Word. It's not just some book, a random book. And I know that the Muslims are told that this thing, the, book, uh, the Bible is full of error, so we're we believing a, a religion that's got lots of mistakes. Um, but this thing is so proven you know, like there's 24,000 documents to prove that Jesus existed. Uh, there's just so much proof. Uh, but even, and so we've got to settle that this is the Word of God and let's obey it. If it says we do it, we do it. And we can't go outside of the Word of God. We've got to stay inside of it. And the third one, it was obedience to the Word. Well, I'm, not, I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to go a little bit faster. Um, is that the saints, and we're all saints, you, the church, are walking in your gifting. Because uh, every one of you has been given a gift. Um, Ephesians 2, verse uh, 8 and 10, if you could put that up, please. Um, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 10, you know, it says that, um, for it's by grace you have been saved, through faith, it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God created you to do something in this life, in the church, uh, before you were even born. So every one of you is a gift, and you are, you, we need you. Because if, otherwise, you know, if, if you remove part of your body, your body doesn't function properly. And so so many guys come to church and think, well, I'm just, I'm just called to come to church and just be here. No, no, it's much more than that. And so part of our job and our calling and of God is to help you walk in what God's called you into, to encourage you and to identify, help you to identify it and to encourage you to walk in it because we need you. With, uh, this church to be healthy needs everyone operating in the gift and the call on their life. And Romans 12 speaks about quite a lot of difference and says offer your life as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And it talks about administration, it talks about leadership. Um, it's, it's, it covers a whole lot of different gifts. Uh, that are, There's many other places in Scripture of what we can be and do in the life of the church. So even if you're a business person, that's not who you are. That's not your main identity. Your main identity is you're a son or a daughter of the living God. That's your first and most important identity that you must have. You've got a heavenly father and you've got a heavenly brother. And I've trusted every one of you is filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to give you power to be my witnesses. And uh, so, yeah, I said, every one of you, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to just touch on these things. Um, yeah, I'm, I was going to mention 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5, says we offer a spiritual sacrifice of our lives. And so, um, are you sharp here? Yeah. As you come to him, the living stone, Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, you know, what is your gifting? What, what have you, what's God called you to do and to bring into the, into the life of the church? Um, and the fourth one, developing mature believers. That's part of the, Ephesians 4 talks about us coming into maturity and a unity. Are you mature or are you still a baby? 
Because Paul said, you know, to the one church, I should be giving you like a kudu steaks now, but all I can give you is milk because you're not ready. So some people, they think, oh, I've been in church 20 years. Um, I must be mature. But often when you've been tested, you didn't pass the test. So God takes you around the mountain and you just keep going around the mountain. You get older, you get gray hair, you get, your body gets older, but inside your spiritual person, you're still a baby. And even now, we, we, we'll sometimes work with older men, older women, and you just give them a poke, and out comes a baby. You can hear a 15-year-old boy come out of a 60-year-old man because you can see the pain. Something happened to him there, back then. Something took place in his life, and he hasn't fixed it. Uh, and now it's coming into the light, and now there's trauma and trying to deal with the situation. So make sure that you, if anything is in your life, that you've dealt with it, that you've got freedom, that you're walking in freedom. For this reason, Christ came to set us free. We can't still be captives to things. Um, a bit of land, hey? Uh, so mature believers, because mature believers are effective and they, they really re- represent Jesus beautifully. Um, and naturally, naturally reaching the lost. Are we reaching the lost? There's people in Swakopmund who need to hear the good news. How will they hear unless they uh, hear the message spoken by us? I'll give you a story quickly. Uh, back in Durban when I had my own business, um, I had a customer. And I heard one day he went for a small operation. So I went to go and see him in the hospital, you know. And I was just a member of the church. I wasn't a, a leader. I had a, business, I had a business in those days. And uh, he said, why are you here? So I said, no, i just come to pray for you and see how you're doing. He said, hey, people, even friends don't even come visit me. And you, I'm just a, you're just a business friend and you've come. Um, he was very... Um, Taken a, he was most impressed with this uh, reaching out to him. And so he would come and sit at my work and just open up his life and talk about, because now he, you know, I'd shown him love, Christ's love towards him. And um, so one day I said to him, hey, why don't you come with me to church? He said, okay. So I said, I'll pick you up Sunday night. All right, good. So I pick him up and we're driving to church and he's a big guy. I mean, he's a big man. His name was Sean van Lachenberg. And um, he said, uh, Listen, he said, I'm Afrikaans, eh? And uh, I hope it's not a happy, clappy church. So I said, oh, yeah, it could be. Um, uh, yeah. So we get to the church and we're sitting at the back. You, know, you, sit, you bring a visitor and you sit at the back and you're sitting there watching what's going on. And that night the worship leader goes crazy. He gets his flute and he runs up and down. I think, oh my God. You know, we are finished now. This is not going to have a happy ending. Um, and then the pastor calls some new members to the front of the church. Now, come forward. We're going to pray for you. He says to me, hey, I could never go to the front of a church like that. I thought, hey, this is like not going to end well. And, um, and right at the end of the meeting, the, the pastor says, who wants to give your life to Jesus? And this guy gets up and he goes down to the front. And I thought, hey, what are you doing, man? You're, supposed to, <laughs> you're not going according to plan here. And, uh, and, and then the pastor said, he doesn't know why he did this, but he made the guy turn around and face everybody, all on his own. Like hundreds of people there. So he's standing there in front of everyone. Just told me he will never go to the front of a church. And so he gave his life to the Lord, and he got born again, and, so, and he was on fire for the Lord Jesus, you know. And I thankful love he did, because 10 years later, there was a robbery in his business, and they shot him and killed him. Um, and so you think, if you hadn't reached out, just like that, I was just a businessman. Just said, hey, Lord, let me go and speak to this guy. And I'm, I'm a shy person, eh? He goes, calm, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't naturally want to do things like that. That's outside of my comfort zone. But you know, there's people out here who are dying and going to eternity. And where are they going to end up with their lives? So every one of us is an evangelist, if we like it or not. You've got Christ in you. We can't keep this. We've got to 
share it. So naturally reaching the lost. Ah, I'm running out of time, sorry. And then six, that's number five, and then six, I've got eight, I'll just mention them. Devoted to one another. The Bible says that they were devoted to each other. Um, in uh, Romans 12, verses 9 and 10, uh, there's a, are you devoted to one another? Do you know each other? I was in a church in Vintok once, and I said, and they mentioned, oh, our worship leader, uh, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Thanks, okay. Um, and I was in this Vintok church, and one day the guy plays bass guitar. They said he didn't come to church, and he'd been coming, playing bass for years. They said, we don't even know where he lives. And I thought, how can this guy be in your church for so many years? You don't know where he lives. You don't know his life, you know. In our church, we go through the, we, every, we make sure every single person is known by name. And we know how they're doing in their life. We take an interest in them. We, we're devoted to them. And, it, and we can't just leave it to the professional pastors. That's not what it's about. The whole church is the, are the pastors. The whole church is called to love one another. And uh, that people would see, but you guys are different. You love one another. You, you go the extra mile. You could, be, you could be doing this for yourself, but you put that to one side and you come and you serve your brother and your sister. And, you, and you, you, that's, that's a living a godly life. Um, and then just pure and holy people, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 7 to 1. Um, don't be yoked with unbelievers. You know, this, this world, you know, we, we can't be those who compromise the truth. Stand out for God. Um, we lost a lot of money in business because we wouldn't compromise on writing an invoice. It was for a government department, can you believe it, with the artists to, to falsify the invoices so they could speed up the process in their department. And um, they could not believe that I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't change the invoice to read something differently. And, and we lost, I mean, hundreds of thousands of rands because of that um, decision. But I said, Lord, I can't do this. You're my provider, not my chipping of invoices, you know. Um, you're my provider. And I, we lost. It, it did hurt us. It, didn't, it wasn't as though, hey, we made millions over here to compensate for that. We didn't actually make a lot of money. Um, we actually suffered for that decision. But I'm okay because Jesus said, the Bible talks about suffering. It says we're called to suffer for Christ. It's normal. Um, we got, I can tell you story after story about all these things, how God has provided and looked after us and cared for us. But we're called to be a pure and holy bride. And it's in the small things. Uh, last, maybe last story, okay. Uh, just recently I was in George in, in the Western Cape at, a, at our church there. And this one guy comes up to me. Um, and he says, I heard a story about you. And I'd forgotten the story. It took place like 20 years ago. Um, he said, you were going somewhere in the combi with a whole lot of church guys, and you pulled up at the garage for petrol. Sorry? Probably in the Bavaria. No, no, it wasn't in the Bavaria. Um, and uh, he said, all the guys got out, and the, the one guy found the toilet door open, but the guy wanted, the garage owner wanted two rand coin to put in the machine, open the door. And the one guy found the door open, so he opened, so come, everybody come through, you know? So they did, and when they got back in the car, he said, hey guys, it wasn't good what you did there. That garage owner, it's his toilet. You must just honor and respect him. Give him his two rand per person to go to that toilet. You know, um, you, you actually robbed him. It's only two rand, but it's two, you know, it could be 20 million rand. It's, it's a principle of the matter. It's a hard thing. And so I said, let's learn from it. We move on. It's over. And the guy who did it, who did this thing, who held the door open, his name is Nicky Carstens, and he told the story to this guy. And this guy, he said, this 20 years ago, like I said, I'd forgotten the story. And this guy said to me, you know what? You were faithful in that small thing with the guys. He says, because you were like that, I can, I'll trust you. And because I can trust you, I said, I'll trust whoever you trust. 
If you say trust Yaku, I'll trust Yaku. And God didn't know this guy. But he, he said, the small things, God is watching all the time on the things you do in the detail. And, uh, and are, you, are you faithful with the small things? Because then he can entrust you with the big things. So these are just some of the things for a healthy church to, to look like. And it comes down to each one of us making right with God and saying, Lord, here's my life, Lord. Here's my life, Lord. Can't sing it like they can sing it. But, um, you know, come and have your way in my life. It belongs to you. You are bought. You actually belong to Jesus. But you can take your life back anytime. He won't force you. And you can think, oh, that, that was okay. Nothing happened. You know, um, I can cheat a little bit here. I can lie a little bit there. Nothing happened. Um, but God says, okay, some sins catch up with them in this life, some only later. And so you, you won't get away with it. In the and actually, you're not representing God well. You're actually stopping the flow of God into your life and into us. You can see in Israel, uh, when one guy sinned, they all got into trouble. So sometimes one of us can be living a life that's not healthy and uh, it can affect all of us. So I'd love to leave you with that. I'm, I'm a church builder, if that makes sense, because 1 Corinthians 3 says, you know, some plant, some water, but, and build, but God makes it grow. I, we can't grow anything. God makes it grow. But we should be on fire for Jesus this morning. We should be, Lord, this life belongs to you. How do you want to use me? Um, just use me, God. Here, present your life to him. Shall we stand? It's a bit long, but I've, we've come a long way to be, be with you guys. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to just challenge you this morning. Now, where do you stand with, with, the, with the Lord Jesus? Does he have 100% of you, or is it only 90%, or 95%, or 80%? And those are just random figures. But, you know, does he really have your heart? And don't fool yourself. That's the worst thing you can ever do is fool yourself. You know, now I'm on fire for God, but you're not really. And you know it. And so this morning is an opportunity. Don't, don't miss opportunities. Carpe diem, seize the day, Latin term. So grab hold of it right now. It's, God is saying he, he has a moment for us as a church to come closer to him for his glory. We have to glorify him with our lives. And before you know it, let me tell you, when you're lying on your deathbed as I was a year ago, Everything in this life means nothing. You have no idea how much this world just suddenly fades away. You think, I can't believe I made that a priority. I made this a priority. Make sure that the Lord has got all of your heart this morning. All right. Are we going to sing that church? Let's do that. Yeah, I'll hand to you. Yeah. And do business with God now. As we sing this song, don't just sing words. They say Christians sometimes they don't tell lies, they sing lies. And uh, you say, here's my heart, Lord, but you have no, you have no intention of that being actually true. Make sure if you sing it, and I think most of you are Afrikaans, and Afrikaans people are genuine people. And you, you are either serious or you're not serious. I know Afrikaners, like Scottish people. And so if you're going to sing the song, sing it from your heart that you mean it. Okay. If you don't mean it, then don't sing it. Then you've been honest. <laughs>